How do we go into the second half of our life feeling strong and competent and empowered and enjoying life? I believe in you. Proudly supported by RAH McDonald's. Hello and welcome to I Believe in You, the podcast about setting your goals and achieving your dreams. I'm your host, Lizelle Hartley, a business and personal mentor. This season, we will be meeting seven incredible women who have turned their passion into their career. You have probably heard about a condition called irritable bowel syndrome. It affects roughly 30% of the population. Our next guest is Dr. Josephine Murr, and she's part of a team helping to create an easier way to diagnose IBS without the use of invasive testing. But where did this journey begin? I have such a patchwork in my career and in my journey. I guess the common thread is that I've always loved working for really bright, sparky people who've got big ideas that want to change the world. So when I met uh, Helen Coonan, she was a former senator for New South Wales. She was just the intellectual powerhouse for the Senate. So I loved being her chief of staff. I've always been interested in politics because as a way of change and getting good legislation. Um, But it's also taken me to working in regional and remote eye health delivery. I met a really inspiring ophthalmologist who wanted to um, really improve the eye health outcomes of Indigenous Australians. Uh, And I loved working for him. Um, I fundraised uh, over $6 million for um, a vision van that now travels around outback Western Australia. Uh, And my career's also taken me to um, being the Associate Director of the Marshall Centre. I met Professor Barry Marshall, who's uh, WA's favourite Nobel Laureate, uh, and I met him and was just so inspired by his great, big, sparky ideas. And I was really privileged to be able to take those ideas and then put them into action. Some of them were obviously based around Helicobacter, which is his Nobel Laureate discovery. But he would have ideas about all sorts of things around anorexia or around, um, you know, a whole range of different disparate kind of things. So, And I was the person who would evaluate those ideas. Some of them went straight to the recycling bin and some of them I could do something about. So when Barry came to me with this idea uh, about analysing gut noises as a way of really um, stepping forward, you know, the world's knowledge on what we know about irritable bowel syndrome, I was really found it so compelling uh, because I've had IBS for 30 years and I could really empathise with the problem. Um, I hate having colonoscopies, everyone does, um, but I really felt that it wasn't adding any value and it was actually more of a risk to have a colonoscopy, um, not just for diagnosis, but once you, you just seem to get onto this pattern of, you know, on, you know, having a colonoscopy every two, three, four years if you have gut health issues. And I really uh, found it compelling that what if we could come up with um, a way of non-invasively diagnosing and monitoring IBS without having an invasive colonoscopy. So that's a really long way of saying I have such a patchwork career. um, But I guess when I met Barry uh, Marshall at the Marshall Centre and he introduced me to this idea of um, gut noises and borborygmy, that's when I thought, "Mm, I think I've found my thing. I think I'll be 
the poo lady. And here I am. <laughs> I love that you announce yourself as the poo lady because I've actually got you on my phone with the little poo in. <laughs> Um, emoji next to your name because I thought today I'm not going to introduce you as the poo lady but what did attract me to you online was when I saw noisy gut and that was the one thing that I thought I need to meet this lady I want to know more about that and I was even more excited about the fact that you have products so tell me where does noisy guts fit into all of this so while uh, I was at UWA with Professor Marshall, he, um, he had this idea of analysing gut noises. So I've been managing a team of people and, you know, for the last three, four years, that's all we've been doing. We've been listening to gut noises. This involves working out how do you put microphones on the stomach? How do you actually hold them there? And our bodies are so noisy because our hearts make noise, our lungs. And if you put a really powerful microphone on your stomach, you can even pick up blood going through blood vessels. So how do you differentiate between all of the other noise that's happening in the body and out in the community and just analyse gut noises? So it was a really fascinating challenge. And then once we'd worked out how to do that, how do you then um, make sense of those noises? What do they mean? Um, and sometimes, you know, when we're really hungry, um, you can hear them with your own ears. Oh, someone's stomach's really making a, you know, gurgling noise. But actually, most of the gut noises are actually these tiny little pop, pop, pop disco noises. Um, so we had a lot of fun analysing them. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to accurately come up with a diagnosis for gut health conditions based on the gut noises, which was a shame. That would have been really nice if we could. But we learned so much about borborygmy, around the housekeeping of the gut, um, around the gut's you know, natural housekeeping processes. Uh, and we learned so much about irritable bowel syndrome. I felt that there was still, even though we couldn't advance with that one idea, that there was so much that we had learned that could value add to people's journey. Uh, so as, as typically what happens in, uh, at the research centre is that we're all just human research subjects. So I'll never forget the first day at work and, uh, and Prof Marshall comes up to me and, um, you know, says, I just want to smell your breath. And I'm thinking... Mm, that's nice. That's nice. Um, first day at work. First day at work. Uh, and they had bets on whether or not I had helicobacter. But you were always, you know, um, providing poo samples or wee samples. There was a poor PhD, PhD student who needed, you know, ultrasounds or, you know, so you were continuously being a research subject. And because I had IBS, I was the person on the team with IBS, um, I would, you know, people were listening to my gut noises constantly. I was doing food diaries. I was having my poop analysed. You know, there was no, there's, you know, you can't be embarrassed when you work in this centre because, you know, I was a bit of an open book. But one of the things I started um, trialling was the FODMAP diet. And because uh, we were trying to work out whether or not your gut noises would change over the course of eating different food triggers. And I was really getting very hungry and hangry uh, because I would leave for work um, not having any food and then getting to work. And then suddenly at lunchtime, everyone's tucking into what, whatever was available at the cafe. And because I couldn't eat onion, garlic, um, gluten, there were so many FODMAPs everywhere, I would starve. And that's when I came up with the idea of 
I've got to have um, an easy on-the-go food with me at all times. Otherwise, the rest of the team pays for it because I get really hangry. So that's when I came up uh, with the idea for a shake, something that I could eat that would be really gentle on the stomach, um, but something I could just grab and go and then always have a meal. Um, so if I'm at a conference, if I'm traveling, if I'm just having one of those days where you know I'm racing out the door, um, yeah, so that's how we came up with Superflora. And it's a product that I'd kind of designed just for me, uh, not thinking we would ever sell it. And then my partner was, uh, I noticed was, you know, he has a meal replacement shake at, at lunchtime just to kind of fill him up and to stop kind of his on afternoon snacking. And I noticed that he was, you know, he was having quite a cheap shake from the grocery store. And I asked him about it and he was like, yeah, I, you know, I don't mind the taste, but I have to have Metamucil with it because it, you know, it, it really, uh, you know, gives me constipation. And that's when I started thinking, hmm, well, maybe I could get you onto Superflora. Uh, something with fibre in it and that could solve that problem and then I had friends saying wow you seem to be losing weight and looking really healthy Um, you know how are you doing that just like hmm maybe you should try this shake as well Um, so it just started kind of as a I'll just make this for me and then so many other people were asking for it and then we thought well we'll put some really good probiotics in there and some prebiotics to feed those good bugs um, so that it's so that anyone, anybody, regardless of whether they have a dodgy stomach or not, uh, anyone can enjoy it without feeling bloated and you know, yeah. So that's how that's how Superflora came about. It sounds super easy, but I'm sure it wasn't super easy. So tell us a little bit about the process. I mean, you had this idea to put a product out there, but obviously there was channels to go through. Was that, e- was that easy for you or was there a little bit of challenges in the way? The science was fairly easy um, because, you know, I'm surrounded by scientists. So the science of it was actually pretty easy. I guess the thing that we've... Um, that I found the most challenging is that people don't really care about the science and it's really frustrating because I can see, you know, IBS hot chick on TikTok and just think, oh my gosh, you're really not going to take dietary advice from someone called IBS hot chick on TikTok, but, you know, but she sells and I just think, oh, Uh, So my PhD is just sometimes just, you know, is that getting in the way of marketing? Sometimes it does. So, you know, uh, uh, I often uh, tell people, you know, that everyone in our team has a PhD except Barry and he has a Nobel Prize. But sometimes it doesn't make any difference uh, to try and cut through everything that's on the market. And someone, I was listening to um, a podcast this morning and actually it was a photo of just this wall of vitamin supplements at Chemist Warehouse. And it was just like this blanket wall. And it must be so overwhelming for the consumer standing there going, oh, I wonder which one's better than which, you know. They all have these adjectives and, you know, they're all, you know, so all the buzzwords, how do you differentiate between one product and the next? And I think that's been our biggest challenge. Actually making the product, oh, that was fun. Uh, Testing the product, oh, that was really fun. Um, But actually 
getting uh, and even getting our product into stores, that bit's fun. But actually getting someone to pick our product off the shelf, oof, I don't like that bit at all. <laughs> okay, so that is that's interesting because for another person, that science will be their challenge in yeah. the product. But for you, that's the fun bit. Your your challenge is just pick us before you pick the next door product and um that sounds like if you can get to that stage with no challenges i think that is amazing as a business owner oh well i guess you just play to your strengths and the the science and and coming up uh, with the product i knew that it worked for me uh and so finding more mainly women like me that that bit was easy um but i guess it's the e-commerce part of the of the business that certainly is not within my uh, wheelhouse. I'm always outside of my comfort zone. Um, so that, yeah, that has been that has been quite challenging. And as a business owner, how do you approach that, that challenge now? Tenacity, grit and, and repeatability uh, every day, just being really disciplined. I know that uh, the product can value add to people's lives. Uh, and particularly for uh, women, we don't like to um, we don't like to talk about poop. We don't like to think about poop. But when we are having regular, well-formed poops, it often means that we're not having those symptoms like bloating and distension and cramping that can really just weigh us down, um, cause fatigue, and just make us feel blah. Uh, so, yeah. And how old is your business, Noisy Guts? So we started uh, listening to gut noises in 2017, so about five years ago, uh, and then we spun out of the university. So we had been developing this intellectual property um, uh, within the university. We spun out in 2019, and Superflora itself has been going for, we've almost been out for 12 months with that, coming up in June. Oh, so we're going to have a one-year celebration. I hope so. With raw balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so through this whole journey, have you seen your sales grow? Have you seen your followers grow, your community, your tribe? We have. Um, it kind of goes up and down. Um, one of the things that um, I'm always reminded of is you know, we did a lot of market research at the beginning, lots of customer discovery interviews to work out who is, you know, our ideal target persona and who is that consumer. Um, but, and sometimes you think, oh, well, I've, I've surveyed our customers, I've done it, so I don't have to do it again. But actually doing it again has revealed something really interesting. So our, our target persona, we call her Nadine, and she is, she is the person that we, you know, we've created a whole life about who she is and her likes and what media she, uh, you know, is in tune with and what she engages with. Um, and she's our target customer. But one of our most loyal customers is actually Nadine's mum. 
And Nadine's mum is much older and perhaps she's not on Facebook. She prefers the, you know, bricks and mortar stall. She wants to go in and touch our product, read the ingredients, you know, touch and feel it and see it. And, and uh, But it's been really amazing to go back and do that customer discovery uh, process and realise that while we're talking to Nadine a lot, we're actually talking to Nadine's mum a lot as well. That's very interesting that you noticed that... Um because I ordered some of your products online after I saw you. And to be honest, I didn't even have enough time to enjoy it myself. But my youngest daughter, <laughs> she's all over it. I took a packet down for my PI one day to have a look at and she was totally upset. Where is my packet? <laughs> Who took my packet? So every morning, even if she wake up quarter past four for her rowing, I hear the grounder going <laughs> and I know that she's got your product in there because she just totally believe in that. So that's interesting that that's a discovery that you make, yeah. that the mum is the client, but Nadine might be the, the user. That's certainly how it's happened in my family as well, because my partner wouldn't go to a pharmacy and purchase, uh, you know, a protein shake. You know, he sometimes will grab something at at Woolies, Um, but he's now a convert. And and my daughter, who uses it for a completely different reason, that she she, uh, often is looking for a post-workout protein boost after she's been to the gym. So, uh, yeah, it has gone throughout my family and my mum lives with me. Uh, She's a much older woman and we're really trying to increase her calories to make sure that she, you know, remains well and and sometimes she simply forgets to eat. So we're always trying to work out how we can boost her calories. And now I've got her on Superflora too. So we've got the whole family on it for, for all different reasons. Okay, but you know what, thank you. At least it's a product that we can trust. Not just that it's a good marketer, but the fact that we know there's so much science behind this and passion that went into this product. So on your journey, have you had any mentors? We have been so blessed. So when we first started, we were really, um, because we weren't, we, we didn't have the idea of having any products. We were really just focused on having this medical device to, to diagnose IBS. And we were really well supported by the startup scene here and, uh, and particularly the female founders. I really find them a very supportive and nurturing community. Um, and we met um, a mentor, Greg Reby, who really, and she, and she frame both of them were just so generous with their time um so i've really found that um it's not that i just need one mentor i think you need different mentors at different stages and sometimes for different uh for different reasons um but i'm always i'm really addicted to learning and it's not uh you know i don't often go without having something on my plate so i've just joined seed lab which is woolworth's boot camp uh and that's started about two weeks ago and i'm really enjoying that and meeting lots of new mentors uh and other startup owners um and i'm finding that fascinating so this morning i was learning about a woman who makes everyday snacks for kids that are fortified with insect protein Right. So, yeah. So I love learning about uh, other people's ideas and what they do and how they do it. And Josephine, do you see yourself as a mentor? I hope so, because I really enjoy coaching and I, uh, whether it's, you know, 
um, whether it's maths club at my girls' primary school or whether it's a sporting team, I've always, I've kind of got that in me. Um, however, one of the things, uh, one of the big challenges for me in my mindset is that I've, uh, because of the way that I parent and the way that I coach, um, I've always measured effort and rewarded effort. But actually in business, I've really had to change that to be around measuring results. Mm -hmm. Because as a, as a startup founder, there are so many, you know, demands on your time and you can get so busy, 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 busy. But sometimes when you look at how you've spent your time over the course of the week, you've been so busy, but are, they, are you spending time on activities that have actually moved the needle? So I've really had to change um, my mindset to focusing on results, not effort, which is uh, very different from this coaching or mentor mindset, which is really around, you know, nurturing and nourishing and supporting and, and rewarding effort. So, uh, so I do like mentoring. I just need to make sure uh, which hat I'm wearing at any particular time. I like the way you said that because that is a big challenge for a lot of business owners, especially new business owners. They put so much time, so much effort in it and they put their heart and soul, but they forgot to stop and go and measure the results. They forgot to realize that my business can't go forward if I just keep putting in, 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 but we don't get results. So it's great that you have bring that out today. So a big message for our listeners that's in the business world is measure your effort you put in. And yes, any startup business take more effort than any other business. And it will get better along the line, but go and measure your results as well. Measure your income, not just your effort, but the success of it. So on that note, in this year of having your Flora products on the market, what would you say were some highlights for you guys? Well, I think actually we've had to be very careful about what we measure because sometimes you can go around measuring entirely the wrong thing. Uh, and I think with um, small startups, you know, you get these social media followings and you think, oh, I've got to have 10,000 followers mm -hmm. or 20,000 followers. Um, for us, that has been, uh, you know, meaningless because you can have 20,000 completely disengaged followers. Um, so I think actually drilling down to what are what are the things that we measure each week and having a really simple scorecard. So for us, one of the key ones is just is simply sales. How many sales did we make this week? Um, the other one is um, is around retailers because the more stockists we get, then that adds up. So sometimes, even if it's a very small number, rather than measuring, well, how many did we approach, but how many new stores did we get into this week? Because if we aim for two this week, at the end of the month, we'll have another eight. Um, so actually making that um, KPIs meaningful rather than, you know, I want to get to 10,000 social media followers, but making actually something meaningful for the business, making the scorecard super simple. So you just look on the whiteboard and you know whether you're on track uh, for the week and you know by Wednesday afternoon if you're on track or whether actually you should cancel what you had planned for Thursday because you've got to get back on track because you've got some, you know, you've got some room to make up um, or to think about how can I shake up the rest of the week and, sh and change those priorities to make sure that sales uh, keep 
you know, at the, at the you know, we'll meet that KPI at the end of the week. Uh, and just keeping that, that scorecard really simple so everyone can see it, everyone knows what our goal is for the week. And then, then you can celebrate the success because you can see whether you've, not, you've met those targets or not. I cannot agree more than, with you than saying keeping it simple. Mm-hmm. Don't make it complicated. Keep it simple. And um, even if you have the app on your phone of Trello where you can literally, doesn't matter where you are, look at app, see straight away, that's where we are, that's where I have to restructure my week to get back on track. Because so many of us keep rolling, 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 and it rolls out of control because we haven't literally stopped, cancel, and go back. So well done, very well said. I do hear that you use the word we and us quite a bit. (laughs) Tell me who's the we and us in this. So I have a co-founder, Mary Webberly, and she is the other part of my we. So uh, we met when uh, she was one of the staffers I had at the Research Centre EWA. And I really found that she was uh, a woman who was greatly underemployed at the time. Um, And she was really enthusiastic about jumping off the cliff with me, uh, uh, with Noisy Guts. And it's funny how you can, we're not, we weren't friends before the starting a business together. Uh, But now it's very odd if I don't speak to her two, three, four times a day. And so, yeah, she is the other other part of Noisy Guts. So I have interviewed some of the women before that is in partnerships. And in that interview, we did say that there's so little successful partnerships. So you are lucky to found a partner that it feel, how can the day pass and I haven't talked to her? <laughs> And even if you say that you just know that that was your partner and you didn't even have been friends before, which can be a big risk, but it just shows that there is still that value in partnership. So what will you say as other half of the partnership? What is the plus point of going into business with a partner? Look, I think as a solopreneur, particularly when we're working um, from home, as many of us have been over the last two and a half years, it can be incredibly isolating. The last thing my partner wants to talk about and my kids want to talk about is noisy guts. They've had it to death, you know. Um, So it's nice to have someone else who's just as passionate, excited and focused on the thing that I'm passionate and focused on. Um, So that's been that's been Oh, you know, so invaluable to have another set of ears. I guess when you only have two people, there can be um, this issue with groupthink. Um, and so that's something we have to be quite mindful of, which is why we use mentors, someone outside of our business, just to make sure that we've not just talked each other into something or into a strategy, having someone who can independently look at you know, and evaluate and monitor with us has been, you know, is always helpful. But I think just having an, an extra pair of hands, um, you know, I want to be able to have holidays or spend time with my family. The business just can't stop because, you know, I want to take a week off. So it's nice to have someone that we can balance things out and I can hand off to. Um, And I think that where the challenges come is when you have perhaps really ill-defined boundaries. And that can happen when you're a startup. 
uh, because you're both doing a bit of everything. So, you know, to avoid stepping on toes, which, you know, Mary and I can do at times, that that can be useful. Um, just to have that well-defined boundaries, some a really good job description so that you're not, you know, um, stepping on each other's turf. Uh, but so far, so good. Very good job description. Yeah. Very, very important. And pull on each other's strength. Yeah. And make sure that you're not in a position where you put with your weaknesses as part of your job description. So I have the honor to sit through a talk of you a week ago. I must say, I have enjoyed that so much. It was fun. It was laughter. I never talk about poo for a whole hour or listen to a talk where poo was mentioned so much and where it was presented to me in chocolate bars, which make it even worse. (laughs) So that itself was for me such a great empowering session. And just not for me, but every woman that was with me in that group went away from there and absolutely loved the whole idea that they want to get good poo now. They want to check their poo. They they want to go and make that raw balls. So I want to ask you is how do you empower yourself so that you can empower others? Look, I am so privileged. I spent 13 years at university collecting degrees and I have I have a lot of them, um, ending with a PhD. But and that I did uh, much of that PhD at Princeton um, in uh, Upper New York. So I've I've so privileged to have a great education, and I love trying to communicate knowledge to other people. So that's why I think the you know instead of bringing out a, a Bristol stool chart, which you know has pictures of actual poop on it, which couldn't be can be you know off-putting making a Bristol stool chart in chocolate I think just helps that communication and breaks down some barriers so we can talk about poo um, and regularity without being too offensive Uh, but how do I keep empowering myself I love learning so for me it's about continuously learning so I can share that with others and just making sure that I'm respecting my own self-care needs. Uh, and over the last couple of years, for me, that's been running. And it's hilarious because I've never run anywhere except to the toilet before. So this is a very new hobby for me. Um, and it's a bit of a love-hate relationship. But when everyone moved home with COVID and our businesses moved home, I found that I never got any quiet time in the house by myself. Um, there's always someone in the house. So I had to do something outside of the house. And I wanted alone time because I'm such an introvert, but I couldn't find those quiet days on the couch without, you know, constant interruptions. So that's why I um, I found running and uh, it's a bit hilarious. I'm six foot one and I'm certainly not made for, um, not made for long distances, but I'm really, really loving it. I, it's very goal oriented so just like my scorecard with the business I keep you know I keep records of what I'm doing and when I'm doing and it's just it has I found it very motivating so I'm hoping that I'll finish my first half marathon on Sunday Uh, but if not and if I have an IBS flare-up and something gets in the way then I've got another one booked for August. So is this your first marathon you're going to do? Oh yeah. Your half marathon and how old are you? I'm, I'm on the other side of 50. 
You're the other 52. side of 50. So what is it with our women that this extra life come back of us after we hit the 50 mark? It's like if I see it all over amongst the 50-year-old women plus because we all just go and do, we, we, we stretch ourselves to another yeah. challenge. And I think for me, a lot of it is looking at my mum, who's a beautiful, beautiful woman um, who now lives with me and she um, sadly is suffering from dementia and her mobility has really um, taken a hit. Turning 50 really made me start thinking about how can you age well? Yeah. Because I don't want to be an 82-year-old like my mum who finds it difficult to walk and, you know, mobility is a huge issue uh, and... And I think one of the things I've, I've been learning about dementia and I can see is that her neuroplasticity has really decreased because she has done the same crossword or the same type of brain activity her whole life. But that means that she's, she's not learning anything new. And, and what happens with dementia is you can't learn anything new. The ability to learn new things goes away. So how do you keep up, even if it's just turning on the TV? Well, our TVs change, the remote control changes. I can't teach her anything new now. So I think for me, turning 50 was, oh my goodness, I'm, you know, not only am I looking forward to this period of my life, which I thought was going to be, you know, after children before looking after parents but anyway that didn't quite happen but for me it was about how do we age well how do we go into the second half of our life feeling strong and competent and empowered and and you know enjoying enjoying life after the bulk of the parenting is done although I'm sure that will continue um, so yeah being strong physically uh, is you know is key to that for me you know I absolutely believe that all health starts in the gut so having really good gut health uh, being physically fit and being really mentally active so that we can age well and really enjoy the second half of our lives I must say it put a smile on my face for the idea that you start running because you need time for yourself <laughs> and I I can actually understand this because I love my baths and even when my girls were younger I would have a bath to have my own time so my bath time end up with my husband pour himself a glass of wine come and sit in the <laughs> bathroom with me with his wine the girls bring their little snacks and before we know my bath time had become a family time <laughs> so I got it and if you have to start the run because they can't keep up with you absolutely <laughs> because you need time for yourself I think that's what we need to do I, even this morning there's no one else up at 5 30 I am alone in the world I've got the path to myself although it was a bit dark but I have the path to myself and you know people are often saying you know do you need a running partner no no I don't want to talk I'm I'm just talking to the crazies in my head like I don't want to talk to anyone else I just want alone and quiet and it's it's become a form of meditation um, so I can just shake off shake off whatever else is happening and just be alone in the world for half an hour, an hour. So Josephine, instead of encourage us all to do a bit of running, where do you see yourself in 10 years from today? Oh, well, I'm, I can't, I'm not sure where the running is going to go, but I hope it's in there somewhere, although I don't think I'm going to sign up for a marathon just yet. Um, 
But I don't know. I don't know where I'll be in 10 years. I hope that I will continue to pivot and uh, along the journey. Uh, and as long as it's full of family and laughter and learning, then I welcome it. But I've, I, uh, I, I've, ha- I've had times in my life where I've had really strong fixed five-year plans um, and I've really had to let go of a lot of that, be, you know, because, uh, because of, you know, my sandwich generation and where I find myself. Um, so, yeah, I've kind of let go of having concrete goals, uh, but rather as long as I'm living... Uh, and I'm learning and I'm happy and the family's happy, then, yeah. And the gut is healthy. And my gut is healthy, hopefully. Um, I can just keep, keep going. Looking back, what would you say is your highlight in your career? Oh, um, oh look, I've loved, you know, people say, you know, did you have a passion? For, you know, what's your one passion? Sadly, I think I'm someone who's had a I'm passionate about the thing that's right in front of me. So, you know, I, I don't know if I have one. I think I have many. Um, I just have many. But recently I've been volunteering on, uh, on one of the Teal Independent campaigns, uh, candidates who, who we hope has won uh, a seat um, in the House of Representatives. And while my contribution was very small, that's been a real highlight this month. Uh, and one of the things, the other, you know, hats that I wear is that I volunteer for a charity called Donomate, and we're a, uh, an organisation that promotes organ and transplant donation among young people. Uh, and, you know, whilst uh, at the very heart of it, organ donation is actually very sad because obviously someone passes, uh, it is so thrilling when um, when you know, someone passes and the gift continues and gives life to someone else. So this is an organisation that I just love. And whenever we're successful at getting funding or putting new campaigns together, touch wood, we're going to be successful in one today. That's also another great highlight. On that note, before we end off, what is your easiest recipe that you can share with us that's a go and grab um, for our everyday? For me, I love uh, Superflora protein powder and I just mix it with half milk, half water and I'm out the door. Uh, but today what I've been making is peanut butter balls with peanut butter, oats. I throw in some chia seeds and some sunflower seeds to give it some extra you know, prebiotics, which are the, the lovely insoluble fibres that feed your probiotics, uh, the lovely gut bugs in your digestive system. Uh, so peanut butter... Oats, sunflower, Uh, you don't even need any maple syrup to sweeten it because the peanut butter is so sweet. Uh, And I did add some um, 70% dark chalk chips and mm, 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 we just roll them up. They literally, in my Thermomix, they take less than a minute to make and uh, they'll keep us going for the rest of the week, I reckon. On that healthy note, can you share your favourite phrase with us that inspire you? There were a number to choose from, but I like this one from John Bingham. So the miracle isn't that I finished. The miracle is that I had the courage to start. If you would like to know more about Dr. Josephine Murr and her work with Noisy Guts, you can find her details in the episode description. 
Next time, we will be chatting with someone who has used her experience from her first ever job to build a career. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I believe in you. Thank you for listening to the I Believe in You podcast. If you're interested in being coached by Lizelle, we have a number of solutions available for you, no matter where you are in the world. You can find all the details for these and how to get in touch in this episode's description. This podcast is proudly sponsored by RAH McDonald's. It's more than Maccas, it's developing personal excellence for life. I Believe in You is produced by Bad Bard Productions.